minus 5, minus 4, minus 3, minus 2, X minus 1. Fire. Lights out, everybody. That creaking door. Dimension. Inner Sanctum Mystery. Hello everyone, welcome to Sci-Fi and Horror, brought to you by Dwayne Old Time Radio. Sci-Fi and Horror features some of the best programs from the golden age of radio, including X-1, Orbiter X, Dimension X, Slot X's, Lights Out, Ray Bradbury, Dark Fantasy, and many, many more. Before we start today's sci-fi and horror thriller, if you enjoy what I'm doing, let me ask you to subscribe to my channel. Subscribing is 100% free, and you will receive notifications on new posts. Lastly, if you have a moment, please write a short one or two sentence review or give a rating on your preferred podcast service. A positive review or rating would help me out a lot. And now, on to the show. And again, thank you for your support. Hope you enjoy. The Weird Circle. We're going to have two uh, storylines this week. The first is Declared Insane which is the fifth episode of that of that series. The sixth the sixth episode of that series is A Terribly Strange Bed. Both of these aired in nineteen forty three. There are no known dates and times that I can find. Dates and months rather that I can find. But these both aired in nineteen forty three. The weird circle In this cave by the restless sea, we are met to call from out the past stories strange and weird. Bellkeeper, toll the bell so all may know we are gathered again in the weird circle. Phantoms of a world gone by speak again the immortal tale declared insane. This is the church she comes to. There she is, Renee, kneeling in the pew. Third row from the left. 
What do you think of your rival for your husband's affections? Are you positive that's the same, Madame Jean-Renaud? I'd stake my honor upon it. Cecil, you've staked your honor so often there's nothing left to it. Madame. Amazing. I wonder how a woman like that could extract such huge sums of money from my husband. She might have certain charms you don't understand. But she's fat and pockmarked. True, Renee. But powerful enough to make you and your children penniless within ten years. How can we break her hold on Pierre? I've tried. Pierre won't listen to me, either as his brother or his lawyer. So there's only one thing left. What's that? Simply that you ask for a commission for lunacy against him. Imply that he's insane and have him locked away. But Pierre is With your political as... prestige at Louis XV's court, I'm sure we can convince a young ambitious judge to the contrary. Pierre's many eccentricities can bear fruit. His monomania on Chinese customs could easily be misinterpreted. Do you understand? But, Cecil, I... Now listen to me. Tomorrow morning, I want you to pay an unexpected visit on your husband. Drive out to that country hovel and... Is your master in, Roger? Madame le Marquise, we weren't expecting you. Do come in. Monsieur is in the study. If you follow me, he'll be pleased to see you, madame. It's been such a long time. Thank you, Roger. Monsieur, Madame le Marquise? René. I'm sorry to disturb you, Pierre, but you know what the court says. The separation of ours does not do my reputation any good. Your reputation? Naturally. What are you doing dressed up in that silly outfit? I am writing a history of China, René. One can't understand the Chinese mind without trying to feel the tempo of their mode of life. Oh, that's neither here nor there. I've been hearing about the way you're handling the children. The children are well and healthy. I don't feel comfortable about them out here. So I'd like to change nurses. The woman you have now is too old for the job. I've brought an English woman out here with me today. Her name is Maggie Campbell. I think you'll find Maggie a gem in many ways. Your absent-mindedness endangers our children's very existence. What are you hinting at? Hinting? You know very well what I mean. That woman, Madame Jean Renault. She's no concern of yours. My son's future inheritance, however, is my concern. I can't prevent you from throwing it away on a swine-headed woman. Oh, Renee, but really? Really what? Who is this Jean Renault? What power has she got over you? Why do you insist on living in the country and giving her the major part of your income? That's one question you'll never have answered. You wouldn't understand. That's why I've hired Maggie Campbell to act as nursemaid. The children are never to be in that woman's company. And Miss Campbell will follow those instructions to the letter. Well, René, I didn't expect you to come back so soon. It didn't take me long to sell Pierre on the idea of hiring your fatuous Miss Campbell, Cecil. What did he think of her? Nothing much. My story was completely believable. We can depend on Maggie Campbell to weave an interesting web for Pierre to stumble into. In the meantime, you've work to do. Work? I've invited young Bianchon for a party at your house this evening. Aren't you presumptuous? Not at all. That fool has always been in love with you. His uncle is a judge of the inferior court, Monsieur Popinot. If you can convince Bianchon to bring his uncle into our camp, our commission for lunacy against Popier is won. You're in a position to do both of them a great deal of political good. It 
might be wise to remind them of it gently. The party is to start it now. Bien, I'm so glad you could come to my little party. Oh, you're playing with my heart, madame. Ah. If only I were a free woman. Free to play with a man's heart. Oh. But my husband being ill... Oh, Pierre's ill? Didn't you know? No. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. It's a mental condition. I thought you knew. Oh. Is there anything that I can do? I'm afraid there's nothing anyone can do. He insists now upon throwing his money away on a woman, known as Jean Renault, whom he favors now. Oh, a woman. A fat, ugly, pockmarked woman who is closer to 60 years of age than anything else. He's given her almost a million francs. Oh, this is serious, madame. But what can I do? He controls all the money in the family except my own small income. Well, have you ever thought of securing a commission for lunacy against him? My own husband, Monsieur Bianchon? But it's necessary, madame. My uncle is judge of the inferior courts. He could get it for you quite easily. If you'd consent to visit with him, I'm Bianchon. sure... Bianchon. Yes? Could you persuade your uncle to visit me here in my home? I would repay him for his trouble. A close friend of mine, Philippe Brett, is head of the civil courts. He could do your uncle much good if I suggested it. Oh, but of course, René. I shall pay my Uncle Popinot a visit this evening. Would tomorrow night be a convenient night for you? So convenient. And if Monsieur Popinot is interested in verifying my case, he might ask Maggie Campbell, my children's nurse, about Pierre's strange actions. A butler in this loony house came over here and bottled. <laughs> yes, Maggie. What is it now, nurse? Listen to them, will you? A father playing with his sons, a twist in their arms as they scream in agony. Look at them there in the garden. He's teaching the boys how to wrestle, Maggie. Wrestling's a fine art in China. Wrestling, is it? It's a fine kind of wrestling. A trying to pull the boys' arms out by the sockets. A laughing and a screaming. A maniac's mind. A maniac, I tell you. Even help us. What will the madmen do next? Thank you, driver. Uncle Popino? Uncle Popino? Well, if it isn't my nephew. Well, well, Bianchon, come in. Oh, how can you live in this rat trap? And if this is a rat trap, Bianchon, then you should throw your old uncle a piece of cheese. What brings you down here on the banks on this hot day? Oh, a matter of urgency. A friend of mine is in trouble. Oh, trouble. Life was ever thus. Her husband is stark, staring mad. And the poor woman hasn't the faintest notion how to go about getting a commission for lunacy. Mm, who is the lady? Madame la Marquise Despard. Madame de la Marquise? Yes. <laughs> she probably knows more about these things than you do, nephew. Well, nevertheless, I'll see her when she arrives. She's not well, Uncle. You can't expect her to visit you in a place like... like this. Hmm? 
Besides, he's a close friend of Philippe Brett. And he's the head of the civil courts and can do you a lot of good. That crook? Oh, Pulpy, no. Madame le Marquise had the kindness to invite us to dinner at her house tomorrow night. Bien, Sean, I'm surprised at you. You know very well that I'll be the examining judge on the case. And our courts forbid a judge to dine in a petitioner's home. It's against the law. Oh, yes, I'd, I'd forgotten. After dinner, then, Uncle? Well, she can see me here. In all fairness to her, she's ill, Uncle. Drop in at her house. Was it a request or a demand from her, Bianchon? Both, I imagine, Uncle. Hmm. Even a judge is afraid not to grant her demands. A woman like that is a powerful factor at court. Then you will drop in and see her? Yes. Tomorrow afternoon at three. But warn her not to serve any food or drink to me at all. Oh, yes, Uncle. She will be well warned. Maggie, what are you doing prowling uh, about the master's bedroom? I, um, I was looking for a good tonic for the children. The master keeps all the medicines locked up here. While I'm about it, uh, you ought to take the tonic, Roger. You don't look so well lately. Oh, I, I never felt better. Mm, spring's uh, coming, Roger. Everybody should take a tonic. Yeah, drink this. You'll feel like a new man in a few seconds. I'll fix another draw for the children. Uh, I can't figure you out, Maggie. One moment you shout, and the next you worry about my health. That's just my why, Roger. Go ahead. Drink it. I'm a nurse. I ought to know what's good. Go ahead. Drink Well, if this will make us better friends, Maggie, I'll drink it. <sighs> Tastes like poison. Roger. Roger. The master's calling, Roger. See what he wants. Uh, I'm coming, Monsieur Le Marquis. You better come along to the study, Roger. I'm expecting a visitor, and I'd better have the place looking spick and span. Visitor, Monsieur? Madame Jean Lenoir will be here soon. Then the business between Madame and I will be over, finally. Ah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm... Monsieur, uh, look at the study. More Chinese books than all of China. I need them. I, uh, I, uh... What's the matter, Roger? I feel so ill, Monsieur Le Marquis. In heaven's name, yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, better sit down know. over here, Roger. I, I don't... I'm... I help me. Uh, Roger! Maggie! Maggie! What's the matter, Monsieur? Roger. Roger, I'll tell you. Roger! He's dead. Dead? His skin is turning black, Monsieur. Black? As if he had drunk... Yes. Just as if he drunk a strong draught of Chinese poison. How do you know the effect? I'm a nurse, sir. Now your madness is no longer innocent. You're a murderer, too. Poisoning a poor, helpless man just because he disagreed with you. What are you talking about, Maggie? Well, you know what I'm talking about, monsieur. You're a murderer. A murderer. I'll get the police for your poisonous all in the middle of the night.
Madame la Marquise, may I present my uncle, judge of the inferior courts, Monsieur Popinel. Good afternoon, Monsieur. How do you do? This is my brother-in-law, the Chevalier d'Espard. Say so. How do you do? How do you do? Won't you be seated, Monsieur Popinel? My uncle will do everything in his power to help you, René. I'm sure he will, Bianchon. Tell me, madame, when you and the Marquis separated originally, how much money were you allowed? Just my original income of 26,000 francs a year. Hmm. You say that the Marquis had given a certain Madame Jean Renault considerable sums of money? Almost a million francs. Hmm. Is there any reason for him to give her money? None. None but an imaginary one dictated to him by his twisted mind. Does Madame Jean Renault live well? Live well? In a mansion? I'm a poor man myself, Madame. How much does Madame Jean Renault spend on her house? Oh, the stables alone cost 16,000 francs. Mm, judges are apt to be incredulous. If the uh, stables alone cost 16,000, then how much for the entire establishment? Between 50 and 60,000 francs. So much? You don't say. Now, how much do you spend for this lovely place? About the same, 50 or 60,000. Renee! Huh? Oh. <laughs> I thought you said your income was only 26,000 francs. You must be badly in debt, obviously. But, monsieur... If you're in debt, the court might not feel justified in allowing you to handle your husband's money. They might think you have a different motive for trying to secure control of your husband's money. Not that I have. A selfish one. Do you serve, madame? Oh, I'm sorry, Madame la Marquise. It's against the law for me to eat or drink at a petitioner's home. I thought you knew. Madame la Marquise! Madame la Marquise! Oh, Maggie, what are you doing here? I've been trying to get her all day, I have. Monsieur la Marquise has murdered his butler. What? Poisoned him. I saw it with my own eyes. The police came. They've got him away in the jail. He's stark, staring, writhing mad is. Murder now. Well, Monsieur Pocono, is murder a part of a sane man's mind? Such a place for a judge to live. Oh, if I lived here, I'd never make old bones. Monsieur Popinot. Yes? I've got your summons to come and see you in your house. Well, here I am. Yes, here you are. But who are you? Madame Jean Renault. Hmm. Kind of a judge are you anyway, living here. Huh? You must be an honest one. Well, yeah? What do you want to see me about? I've learned that you've been receiving extraordinary amounts of money from Monsieur le Marquis d'Espard. Well, as a matter of fact, I have. Mm, what seducer's art have you oh. been using on Monsieur le Marquis? Oh, seducer's art? <laughs> Look at me, Monsieur. Fat, ugly, hideous. <laughs> what kind of a vamp would I make? <laughs> well, that's a question I can't answer. But you will have to. Monsieur, I'm sorry... But I am under oath. I can never divulge the reason that monsieur gives me the money. Madame, if you have any pity for your benefactor, you'll tell me. A commission for lunacy has been taken out against him. Huh? And you're named as having some strange power over him. Oh. Power which is supposed to have driven him mad. Oh, great heavens. I am as good a monsieur and a marquis and warn him. He's a saint, that man. A saint, monsieur. Yes, but he isn't at home. He's in jail. Madame Jean Renault. Monsieur le Marquis, 
I'm Judge Popino of the Inferior Court. You're most welcome to come in and share my prison cell. Are you here to accuse me of murdering a man, too? No, monsieur. But your wife has taken out a commission for lunacy against you. Monsieur, you're joking. I wish I were. Your passion for Chinese customs has led them to believe you live in a dream world. I was commissioned to write a book about China by the most respectable firm in all Paris. Have you a contract from them? In my desk drawer at home. Hmm. Are there any duplicate copies in case your copy is stolen? Certainly. Here's the address of the firm. They have the duplicate. The second count is, of course, there's murder. You were accused of murdering your butler just to try out a potency of a new Chinese drug you've discovered. Never toyed with Chinese drugs or poisons. How about this business of giving all your money to Madame Jean-Renaud? Monsieur, I never thought I'd tell anyone that secret. Your life depends on it. Madame Jean Renault is the descendant of the Jean Renault family who owned a large estate in Saxony in the 13th century. My ancestors murdered her ancestors and stole that property. What has that to do with you? The entire Despard fortune was founded on that property. I'm trying to pay back a debt, the amount of money which should have been paid to the Jean Renault when the property was taken over. You're too conscientious, Monsieur Le Marquis. I don't want my children to be ashamed of their family as I'm ashamed of mine. They'll always be proud of the Despard name. I don't think we'll have any trouble clearing you of this charge. Tell me this. Is there any place in France where the black Chinese poison can be ordered? One place might have it. It's a small pharmacy called Lincoln. Don't usually carry that particular mixing drug in our pharmacy, Monsieur Popeno. It's too dangerous. But I did have a special order for it from a cockney woman named Maggie Campbell just the other day. She had a note authorizing her to buy it. Who was the note from? From the head of the medical research department, through the Chevalier Despard. Mm, thank you very much. Clerk. Clerk. Has Monsieur Le Marquis Despard's contract arrived from Paris? Yes, Monsieur Popinot, this morning. Where's Madame Jean Renault? She's waiting for you now, Monsieur Popinot. Just have her sign this legal bill of sale for the Saxon property and ask her to appear in court tomorrow morning. Yes, monsieur. And the clerk. Yes. Send this letter to the Marquise Despard. After this note, I don't think she'll appear to press charge. After all, come along, Rene. We'd better go inside the courtroom. It's almost time for the sessions to start. You go ahead, Cecil. I'd like to see Monsieur Philippe Brett before court starts. See you later, then. Oh, my dear Rene, uh, you look charming. I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Not at all. Here's the letter Monsieur Popino sent me last night and the affidavits you asked for. Mm-hmm. This letter from Popino places you in a very ugly position. It threatens the entire civil courts, besides naming the head of the medical association, Monsieur Brett. Yes, I know, Rene. Leave everything to me. I'll see you in court in a few minutes. Order in the court. The fifth court of inferior appeals is in session. The first case is a commission for lunacy. The case of Madame de la Marquise d'Espard against Monsieur la Marquise Monsieur Pauvin. Yes, Monsieur Brett. As head of the civil courts, I cannot allow you to preside on the bench during this case. Cannot allow me? Do you realize, man, you violated the most important law in all France? I have three sworn affidavits that you partook of tea and cake at the household of René Despard at 5 p.m. four days ago. 
Now, since Madame is the plaintiff in this case, that renders any decision you might give is invalid. But, Monsieur Brett, they are lying. Your own nephew swears it's the truth. Will you relinquish the bench? Who is to take over in my place? Monsieur Devereux. Devereux? Yes. A man who spends his time currying favor for my majesties? Monsieur, will you give up the bench? I have no option. But if I can't work as judge on this case, I will represent Monsieur de la Marquis Despard as his barrister. Will you ascend the bench, Monsieur Duvreux? Naturally, Monsieur Brett. The barrister in charge of proceedings will start. That is you, Chevalier Despard. Is it not, Cecil? Yes. Thank you, Monsieur Duvreux. In behalf of my client, Madame la Marquise, a poor innocent woman who has been robbed of her children, her income and her home, by a lunatic husband who is guilty of murder. You only presume he's guilty of murder. I presume nothing, Bobineau. He has already been tried and convicted. When? Ten minutes before court started. I signed the papers, Monsieur Bobineau. You did, Brett? Yes. You haven't the foggiest notion of what this case concerns. I have definite proof that Maggie Campbell was hired to murder the butler. Here it is. My proof that Monsieur Le Marquis is innocent. Judge Tavreau, you can set aside this conviction. Chevalier, let us proceed. A woman named Madame Jarrineau has forced Monsieur Le Marquis to give her over a million francs. We all know that Monsieur Pobineau made up that story about the Saxon property... To fool the court. But these are lies, Monsieur Devereux. Continue, Chevalier. And last but not least, we base our claim on the fact that Monsieur le Marquis thinks he lives in China. Ha! Is that a thought for a sane man? Monsieur le Marquis is writing a book on China. He has a contract for that book. We investigated the contract, Monsieur Popineau. The Paris firm swears they never drew it up. Hmm. You've done well, gentlemen, to make a mockery of the courts of France. This trial is a farce, a framed farce. Of course, you grant the commission for lunacy, you will be heaped with honors by these weakling fools. That is only your opinion, Popenow. Judge Devereux, remember, your conscience will weigh heavily on your soul. If you send this man away, you will have only yourself to answer to. You wake up in the middle of the night screaming for forgiveness to your maker. Think on it carefully, Judge Devereux. Think before you make the decision. There is no need for thought. I demand an immediate decision. There's only one decision I can possibly make. An honest one. A decision dictated to me by my conscience and the evidence on hand. The commission for lunacy is granted. Monsieur Devo, I'm as sane as you are. You can't lock me up. Open no, tell them. In heaven's name, stop them. Don't let them. Guards! Take that man out of court and put him in a straitjacket before he loses his mind completely. From the time-worn pages of the past, we have heard the story... Declared insane. Bellkeeper, toll the bell.
again the immortal tale, a terribly strange bed. Jack Westcott was the best friend I ever had. He was the gayest of people. That was until we left America. I was writing a book about historic murder cases and had come to Paris to do some research work. Jack was fascinated with my work, strangely fascinated Almost horribly so. He enjoyed finding twisted minds and probing them. His hunger for crime was bound to end in tragedy. On the last evening of our visit in Paris, we were walking on the left bank of the Seine River when Jack noticed a crowd gathered about our old friend, the head of the Paris police force, Inspector Duval. I was in a hurry to return to the hotel to finish writing my murder manuscript. The deadline was in the morning. But Jack insisted. What's the excitement all about, Duval? Well, hello, Mr. Westcott. Hmm, still looking for ancient murders, Mr. Manning? Not tonight, Duval. Ancient or otherwise. <laughs> Stick around, Mr. Manning. I'll show you a murder the likes of which you've never seen before. Okay, boys. Drag it out of the river. What is it, Inspector? A corpse, Mr. Westcott. A corpse that's been squashed thin as a piece of paper. Oh, let's see it. Oh, what do you mean, thin as a piece of paper? Hey, bring it over here, boys. Right under the gaslight. <gasps> Horrible-looking thing, isn't it? Horrible and fascinating. Well, it looks like it got squeezed in a giant press. We've had an epidemic of these corpses lately. Any idea who's doing it? Not even a vague notion, Mr. Ma... Hey. Hey, you. You, the fat man. You mean me, Inspector? Yes, I mean you, fat man. How come you're always around when we pull a corpse out of the river? Why? I, uh... I enjoy murder. You enjoy it? You enjoy murder? It appeals to my sense of the artistic. Oh, it does. Well, there's something fascinating about these bodies. Uh, something for a connoisseur alone to appreciate. The symmetry of the remains. The beautifully flawless flatness of the corpse. 
the hollow in the stomach, lying in this puddle of gaslight, this mass of flesh and bones, uh, makes a nice picture. I should enjoy painting this if I could paint. I know what you mean, fat man, but uh, wouldn't you prefer probing the mind of a man who conceived this crime? A man's mind is uh, his secret self. Well, enjoy the ghastly spectacle, my friend. Enjoy it. Good evening, gentlemen. All right, men. Take the body down to the morgue and try and find out who it is. Come on, Burke. I'd like to follow that fat man. In heaven's name, why? He's nothing but a psychopathic case. I want to satisfy a hunch. Well, if you're such a good detective, why don't you join Scotland Yard? Well, I might, Burke. I might at that. Now, where the devil has that gross piece of flesh disappeared to now? He was right in front of us until we turned this corner. Well, we've lost him, Jack. And I don't wonder... We've passed through every side street in the whole city. If you ask me, he knows he was being followed. Good. If he knows, he'll show his hand sooner. Now, the only place he could have gone around here is into the back door of this house. I wonder what house this is. It's a gloomy dump. Let's go back to the hotel, Jack. I've got to finish that manuscript tonight. It's like a public bar to me. The La Belle Tavern. Are you coming with me, Burke, or are you going home? I'm with you, old boy. I brought you to Paris, and by heaven, I'm going to return you to America. This must be the doorbell. Here goes. And Burke, no matter what I do tonight, don't worry. Come in, gentlemen. Come in. You were perfectly right, fat man. Those two Americans did follow you. They're sitting at the bar inside. The Americans value their lives so slightly. Amazing, isn't it, Cecilia? Their lives. Our lives. They might be cops. I don't want to get my neck in a noose. To be quite candid, I am not interested in your neck. You're so impatient, and impatience is an evil ascribed to the very young. It might be a pity if you are not allowed time to cure yourself of that evil. Don't threaten me, you fat pig. <gasps> you pig. I'd hope to slap some sense into that lovely but empty head. Obviously, my stupid pigeon, those two Americans are wealthy. They would enjoy our roulette table. If you would show them to it. Remember, I'll talk to the croupier and he will take care of the wheel of fate. If you don't do your part well, you face a lifetime in jail. What happens if they get wise? Room 16? But of course. <laughs> Let me go. <laughs> I knew you'd understand. Yeah, I understand. There's something so gay about Americans, I always say. I hope you boys don't mind if I stick around. Well, Miss... I'm... Not at all, Miss, not at all. You can call me Cecilia. How about another drink? That's oh, fine. Three more of the same, bartender. What do you do for a living, Cecilia? Oh, I... I model. In a dress shop. I don't believe you, Cecilia. Jack, stop ribbing the girl. She's a good kid. Oh, I'm on the level. I'm interested in it. Here's the drinks. Thanks. 
Why do I interest you? Well, because you're fairly easy to figure out. Mm-hmm. Am I? Why? You really want me to tell you? Sure I do. Well, here's mud in your eye. You say uh, to say. Oh. oh. Potent stuff, Jack. Potent stuff tastes like cyanide. Well, Cecilia, I'd say you're a poor girl who lives in the slums. But you're pretty. Mm. Prettier than anybody in your entire neighborhood. Well, let's see. And then you must have met a man. What of it? I'm no saint. He promised you a lot of doodabs, and suddenly you found you'd committed your first crime. Let's say murder. What'd she do? Set her mother on fire? <laughs> well, for that, let's have three more drinks. Bartender, three more. Well, now, let's say it really was murder. The second murder wasn't so hard, and the third was easy, wasn't it? I never had nothing to do with a murder. Well, for the sake of argument, let's say you have. But inside of you, all the time, is this wanting to be liked, wanting to be on the level. But your so-called friends, they don't trust you, Cecilia. Someday they'll double-cross you. Here are the drinks. Thank you. Nobody will ever double-cross me. Well, here's mud in your eye. Drink up, boys. Is there anything else to do around here? You seen the gambling rooms? Gambling rooms? Ah, that's me. Who runs those gambling rooms, Cecilia? I don't know. One of your friends? A fat man, perhaps, with a long nose? I don't know the owner. Gosh, you're real nice. <laughs> Is the fat man in the back room now? Probably. Gambles here a lot. Do you... Do you really want to play? Sure. Well, come on, Jack. We'll see who's right. My books or your instincts. Number 21 wins. Jack, the fat man's in the corner of the room. Yeah, I saw him, Burke. And he saw you, old boy. Don't think he didn't. Come on, boys. Let's play. Money, money, money. Place your bets, gentlemen. They'll make some room for us over here. Come on. Okay. Hello, Cecilia. Hello, Monty Laureate. You playing again? I thought you lost every cent you owned last night. A desperate man finds desperate ways to raise money. Mm, even murder, eh? We heard about it. Perhaps. And perhaps not. I'd like you to meet some new friends of mine, Monty. This is Jack Westcott and Burke Manning. Monty Lauriard. How do you do? Money, 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 gentlemen. Place your bets. I bet 30 francs on odd. I'll bet 100 francs on number 13. Good boy, Jack. The play is dead. Round and round the little ball goes where she stops. Nobody knows. Hey, Burke, I feel a little dizzy. You've had too much to drink, pal, and those drinks were strong. Number 13 wins. I won! Good for you, American. Lucky for you. I won the first time I ever played here, but never again. Money, 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 money. That was the first time Jack won in that incredible evening. But as the ball spun, his winnings increased. The table seemed to have gone crazy. Jack became gambling drunk. The croupier seemed desperate as that wheel spun round and round, each time increasing Jack's winnings. The room was tense with excitement, and even the little thin loser, Loyard, seemed surprised. Monsieur Westcott, your luck is phenomenal. You've won 30 times. 30 times. Jack, you've won a fortune, man. Stop now before it's too late. Leave him alone, Burke. Let him play if he wants to. Sure, let me play if I want to. I want to break the bank. Careful, monsieur. Let me warn you. Careful. Jack, it's almost midnight, and I've got a lot of work to do tonight. Please, let's go. And remember the fat man. The fat man be hanged. Here, Jack. Have another drink. (laughs) Thanks, is it? Jack, be sensible. Ah, stop being an old auntie, Burke. I'll see you later at the hotel. Make the book have a bloody ending. 
I'm in the mood for a good murder tonight. Remember, Jack, I warned you. Goodbye. Money, 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 gentlemen. Place your bets. I, uh... I told the croupier you wanted to see him back here, fat man, but it wasn't the croupier's fault the American broke the bank. That is for me to decide. Uh, where is the American now? Outside. Buying drinks for the house. Good, good. That ought to keep him busy. You... You called for me, monsieur? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, I'll need you too, Cecilia. Uh, shut the door. I don't like to frighten our patrons. I'm... I'm sorry about the wheel, monsieur, but it was broken and I... I couldn't control that. That is unfortunate for you. What are you going to do, monsieur? Come here. Don't put your fat hands on me, fat man. Let me... Don't fight the fat man. You can't move, can you, croupier? Because if you move, my arm will break your neck. Call my men, Cecilia. I might need a little aid with this stupid fool. What are you going to do, fat man? Have his brains pressed out of his body in room 16. His mind is no good where it is now. Oh, no, monsieur. Please, monsieur. Not room 16. Was that, Monsieur Laureate? We'll probably be luckier if we don't ask questions. I want another drink. Jack, listen to me. Put on your hat and coat and leave this place. You're being watched all the time. Who's watching me? Hello, Jack. Oh, have a drink. No, Jack. You've had enough to drink. Leave this place right away. She's right, Jack. You must leave. I'll see you home personally. Come on, then. Oh, no, you don't, Monty Laureate. I know your tricks. The last man you saw home was found with a dagger in his breast. How come you're so interested in me, Cecilia? Because you're the first person who ever treated me decent. Oh, please go home. All right. Sooner or later, every woman develops some mother complex over me. Now, I don't want to be mothered. Who is trying to mother you, my friend? Oh, hello, fat man. Cecilia is. Ah, she's developed a rather latent maternal instinct. I think a maternal instinct is out of place tonight. After all, uh, tonight's a night for celebration. Yeah, the fat man's right. Celebration. Bartender, open a bottle of champagne. Bartender. A champagne. A champagne for Monsieur Westcott. Uh, won't you join us, Cecilia? Yeah. Of course I will. Here is the champagne, Monsieur. Uh, won't you drink with us, Monsieur Lauriard? No, thank you, fat man. I don't think so. I never enjoyed toasting to death. Death? <laughs> Open the bottle, bartender. Good night, Jack. And good luck. Good night. Good night, good night, good night, good night. Here's the handkerchief, fat man. Oh, Jack, your money is all tied safely in your handkerchief. Thank you, friend. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Oh, where'll I put the handkerchief? It would be wisest to tie it uh, to your belt. I, I feel dizzy, fat man. Oh, you need a cup of good hot coffee. That will straighten you right out. Uh, Cecilia, 
Go in the kitchen and fix our friend a cup of coffee. But I... I really... Don't tell me, my little pigeon, that your hearing is failing you. I'll get it right away. I'm glad we're alone, fat man. I want a chance to talk to you. Talk away, Jack. Uh, tell me confidentially. Why do you enjoy seeing a mutilated body dragged out of the river? There's beauty in death. In the act of death? Or in the recovery of a body after life has left it? In both. Then do you enjoy committing a crime? Perhaps. Perhaps it would be pleasant to watch a man die. Slowly. Very slowly. In order to see life leave the body. Say that uh, you and I watched uh, a murder by pressure. What would happen? I'm interested, fat man. What would happen? The face is the first part affected. It would turn red. And the victim would probably feel hot blood pounding in his brain. Pounding like steel hammers. Mm -hmm. Then his eyes would feel sore. As if the fluid creating sight were ebbing. Slowly away. That would be painful? Painful but glorious. His face would discolor. The pressure on his chest would be so great he... He'd try to scream, cry out, but he couldn't. He wouldn't be able to move. Not a limb, not a muscle. He'd be paralyzed. I'd see to that. And in that moment, all the horror that is in man's mind would be indelibly imprinted on the brain until a sudden crushing noise would blot out thought. And what would that crushing noise be? The pulverizing of the human bone. Here's the coffee, fat man. Ah, let me see it. Hmm, tastes all right. Here you are, Jack. This will fix you. I... No, I don't think I want any. If you'll pardon me, I... I'm so dizzy. So frightfully dizzy. Oh, of course you are. Here, Jack, drink it. Drink it, my friend. My good, good friend. If you don't want to drink it, Jack, don't, don't. Uh, open your mouth, my friend. It will sober you very quickly. No, I... Open your mouth. There. Now, how do you feel? I... I'm sick. I'm sick. It's dope, isn't it? It's dope. Let me... Oh, our friend Jack is asleep, Cecilia. Call the bartender. I think our friend will spend the night with us in room... Sixteen. Sir Manning! Sir Manning! I've been looking all over Paris for you, monsieur. You've been looking for me? Yes, I've called every hotel in the city trying to find you. I know you don't remember me, but I met you earlier this evening at the LaBelle Tavern. My name's Laureate of the Paris Police Force. Uh, yes, yes, of course. I want you to come in. Where's uh, Mr. Westcott? I had to leave him at the tavern. He wouldn't listen to me. You see, monsieur, I've been assigned to watch that tavern. It's been under suspicion for several weeks. Oh, great Scott, man, where's Jack now? At the tavern. He's carrying an enormous amount of money on his person. I know the fat man will never allow him to leave with that money. Why don't you raid the den? Unfortunately, we can't. We have no proof. As a matter of fact, they might not harm him at all. But just in case, I thought it might be a wise idea for you to go down there. You can go to the door and ask for... Yes? What do you want? You're the bartender, aren't you? I am not Napoleon's grandma. 
What do you want? My friend Jack Westcott hasn't come back to the hotel as yet. We've been waiting for him, and I thought that he probably decided to spend the night here at your place, and I... Your friend is not here. Go home, American, before you get yourself in more trouble than you can handle. Who was it? The other American asking about his friend. Where are you going? Upstairs. To take Monsieur Westcott a candle, like the fat man told me. Be sure the fat man told you, or else... I'm sure. Very sure. Jack. Jack, I... I brought your candle. Are you asleep? Wake up, Jack. Please wake up. Please. Maybe if I shake him. Wake up. Oh, I hate to slap you, but your life depends on it. Uh, What is it? Wake up, wake up. Cecilia, (gasps) dear. Jack. Jack. Luckily, he's still asleep. Come, Cecilia. Let our friend sleep. I'm so sick. So dizzy and sick. Why didn't she let me sleep? I feel paralyzed. I, I can't move at all. Just as if I'm drugged. Maybe if I concentrate on the room, I'll go to sleep. Funny. Funny that a French gambling house should have a bedroom. What is an old English four-poster bed doing in a French room anyway? What a heavy canopy over my head. So solid-looking. Almost as if it were made of steel. The mattress is so hard. I must concentrate on something. The picture upon my head is just even with the canopy. Oh, an evil-looking Spaniard with five feathers in his head. <gasps> the eyes moved. I'm certain of it. The eyes moved. Oh, I wonder if I dare look up again. I, I was sure there were five feathers. Now there are only four. Four feathers. Four feathers. Now three feathers. I wonder who's outside my door. I'll try to sleep. No, no, look at the picture. What? The feathers have disappeared. I can barely even see the face. God damn The canopy is being lowered on me. That's what it is. The canopy. It can't move. The paper thing corpse. Oh, I gotta got move it. It's coming closer. 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 Oh, squash me. Oh, I must move. I, I can't. God, it's almost down. Halfway down. Go, I, I. I oh, just to crawl out of bed. Oh, if I get a cone, I'm to crawl out of here. I, I. Oh, I'm safe. Safer than that horrible contraption. I'm not a god here. The window. Open the window slowly. I'll crawl to the window. Now, if I can push the window open slowly, very slowly. 
Pleasant to watch life ebb out in front of me. No, no. Place him carefully on the bed. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Good. This ought to prove most enjoyable, Mr. Westcott. It's a pity you haven't my detached viewpoint. Let me go. Put him in. Then lower the canopy. No. Boy, here, hold on to me. I'll drag you out. Don't you put your hands on me, Larry? Box in there. Take care of the box. Oh, I'm all right, Burke. Don't worry about me. I'm Cecilia. I'll help her. Let me go, Cecilia. Don't push me. Inspector Duval, that's the story. Boriard and Burke were waiting outside all the time. They saw me at the window, and Cecilia let them in. Mm, close shave, eh? A lucky escape. Boriard and I pulled him out of the bed just in time, and Cecilia pushed the fat man under the canopy as it closed down. It must have been a horrible sight, Burke. Well, what about Cecilia, Inspector? What would they do to her? Unfortunately, the police can't find her. <laughs> and I've instructed them not to look too hard. <laughs> Thank you for listening. 
if you enjoy what I'm doing, I ask you to please subscribe to my channel or channels. Well, hope you enjoyed, and until next time, stay safe, wish you well, peace.